All right, everybody. Welcome to the long-awaited, most recent uh, episode of Black and Blue, a Humane Review. I am, of course, the titular Blue, and across from me in the ether is the... Eponymous Black. Yes. Across uh, the internet, these pauses are going to be slightly exaggerated. (laughs) They're pregnant pauses. They're pregnant. Very, like nine months pregnant pauses here. Yeah, Um, trimester pauses. For sure. So we are, uh, it's been a little while since we recorded our, our, I don't even remember what our most recent episode involved. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I mean, we were in Tijuana. I remember that. I don't remember anything else. Right. I know we had like those little handheld tape recorders in like a fever, in like a fever dream. You and I were in Tijuana just kind of being very Nicholas Cage, very shaky and unstable. Right. And we we were recording, and then I think at the end of the episode we opened those little the little cassette up, and there was no cassette tape inside of it. So, <laughs> so we'd just been recording into an empty thing the whole time. But I think that's cool. how we, had, went. we had woken up that morning with with new tattoos. So yes, it balanced out. To, we had the matching cherub babe, naked baby tattoos um, on our lower back, which you know. I still sort kinda, of regret. That. Well, that's kind of ground. That's kind of ground zero for the tattoo, you know. Yeah, we. I was. I was only disappointed in it because we went such a traditional route. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you know we're we're traditionalists at heart. Uh, for sure. Um, this I thought maybe you know to to open the episode, we might kind of do do a little segment that I would like to call catching up on the quar. And that's uh, short for quarantine. Uh, how have you been doing, Black? How, how are things going over in your abode since our Tijuana um, freewheeling cruise that we went on uh, about two weeks ago? What, what have you been up to? Um, well, um, you know, a lot of family time. A mm. lot of family time. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some people say, Never have enough family time. Uh, those people did. die they before twenty ten. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but I'm 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 thankful that that everyone has been healthy so far, and um, we we still managed to have uh, you know to make a few memories and uh, have some some pleasant moments. But um, you know, it's kind of well, as we all know. It's it's uh it's tough. We're all a little bit overexposed to one another. So yeah, it's uh, a little. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing all right. Uh, we're we're hanging in there. We are uh, also overexposed. Um, we are uh, we're getting done with. I, I think we've hit. We we're on the other side of the hill, of like the novelty of this thing. I can oh, safely yes. say the uh, the opening kind of like 
this is an extended snow day with a little bit of existential dread mixed in. Right, we're going to snuggle uh, in with a little hot chocolate. Yeah. Yes, the images of us in like a New England quaint little village tucked into our little cabins with hot cocoa. That 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 phase of this is clearly behind us. And we're now entering into the phase of just, you know, tolerance and uh, trying to just... I think for me, what has been really amazing is how time has changed. Like, I actually find that time goes by much faster, which mm. is strange because you'd think it would go yes. slower because it's so yes. unstructured. But I actually find that the day, because there's such a boring kind of routine and rhythm to it that you've fallen into, like this, I do this, we do this, we do this, and then we go to bed and then repeat you fall into these routines that get so boring that it's almost like, man, the whole day just goes by because you're on autopilot. Yeah. And, I have, uh, yes, I have that exact same experience. Yep. So yeah, it kind of, kind of some of that. And, and really my hair has reached uh, a place that I, I think is just, it's unkempt wilderness. Like I can, I can vouch for this folks because uh, I have seen blue in the last couple of weeks. Now it was a, socially distanced tarot card reading yes so an appropriate setting okay yeah no judgment in tijuana uh, in, uh, <laughs> in our in our our yurts that were six feet apart yes. our six feet our, day, apart our days are so boring we wake up <laughs> we're in tijuana we're in we have a, a tarot card dreaming. reading and a new tattoo and we go to bed and we do it all over again yeah yep um but yes, I've uh, I've seen uh, Blue's hair do things that I did not know it could do. And, I also uh, have seen it do things I didn't know it could do. It's starting to get so curly and long, and my beard is getting quite long as well, that I look like a real uh, up up in the woods kind of fella. Uh, I'm I'm not looking very domesticated these days. But, you know, it's I think we're all going to have to be very tolerant uh, of each other's appearances come this fall. Right. Because I think all of us are going to look a little uh, downtrodden. Yeah. A a good question for you is, are you going to do you anticipate at this point uh, getting a, a haircut or doing anything to improve on your, or, I mean, I know sometimes your significant other, uh, helps with, with those kinds of things. What's, what's your grooming plan for the future here? Uh, frankly, my grooming plan is my only plan. I have a grooming planner, no other planner. And according (laughs) to my, according to my grooming planner, Uh um, is this a person or like a little book or what's the grooming planner? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little person. Oh, okay. <laughs> combination of the two. Okay, gotcha. And um, I'll just leave it at that. And um, mm-hmm. according to, according to him, um, my wife is going to cut about an, an inch or so off my hair, just you know, to get rid of the split ends, uh, keep things nice and even, uh, keep uh-huh. things because uh, I'm I'm approaching shoulder length at this point, right? Um, and uh, so that's that's even you know. Uh, even for my wild spirit, that's kind of pushing, pushing some envelopes. So, um, but my wife, fortunately, my wife is, is very good at these sorts of things. And, um, 
I suppose a podcast is, is the kind of place where you uh, disclose things like this. I think I've told you this. I have actually not had my hair cut by anybody but my wife um, since we've been married, so 20-plus years. That's amazing, yep. Yep. I, I think that's, uh, that's a remarkable record. People uh, wonder, how do you afford having a little, a little man, a little guy? A grooming person. A, a grooming person. An we're just, we're just a planner. He's just, he's just, he's just like retaining information about my grooming plan. Sure. And I say, sure. I say, look, you add up what I would have paid for haircuts over the course of twenty years. Right? Anybody can do this. Okay. This is not an unattainable dream. No, he's he's only he's like what forty eight thousand a year, fifty thousand a year, something in that ballpark. So, something you, like that. I mean, it was comparable to the grooming person. <laughs> comparable to the projector uh, that yeah. we bought for our slides. Right. Um, so, uh, so I'm a little proud of that. I'm a little proud of, uh, you know, the way that my, my thrift. Your frugality. Has, uh, yep. Uh, has created uh, possibility. But yeah, no, I, I, I am going to have to have a little trim. I, I keep my, I'm pretty well shaven because uh, my wife does have kind of a rule like, you know, I can have like lots of hair on the face, uh, but not lots of hair elsewhere, right, on my head, sure. and uh, or vice versa. But like all together is just a bit too much. Well, you you and I know because we we are waxing partners. We like to wax each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's one thing we that in, at Tijuana that was one thing that we really How we met. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, we we met uh, about ten years ago doing. Uh, backs back waxing treatments, um, and uh, so so we know the value of having a nice smooth a back that is as smooth as a baby's bottom. Um, we we That's know the value of that. Tagline. But but as far as the the cranium, as far as the head region, like you know, sometimes we both ha- can have long hair. Sometimes we both have long beards. Uh, we we oscillate, and usually we do that in rhythm. You know how. Sometimes people get into a space together, they live together, they, their bodies sync up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because we've been separated from one another, except for our you know, two-week excursion to Tijuana, that excluding that, we haven't seen each other that much. Socially distanced. Um, we've been socially distanced. And so our bodies yeah. have started to exactly. go out of sync with each other. And uh, I think we're going to have to rectify that at some point because really things are getting a little too out of whack. The, the universe is a little off balance if you catch my drift. Yeah, and our physicians are very concerned. Um, yes. They, they've seen this kind of thing before, and it never ends well. No. Um, so uh, we may actually get a dispensation on social distancing uh, the, just for the sake of our own health, frankly. Yeah, the, the bro equilibrium must be restored. Um. So we are, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the art slide projector. I, I realized that we haven't been upkeeping the projector. We, who, has anyone been taking care of the projector while we've been off of campus? Uh, I don't think so. I, uh, I left it um, on the back porch of uh, Durfik, but it's under the awning, so I don't think there's a problem there. There's a back porch of Turthic. Is that a real place? Uh, it is uh, the only place on campus where you can smoke doobies. Oh, well. 
Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm checking my notes. Hold on. No, that's not correct. That's, that's factually inaccurate. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, that doesn't hold up cannot, well. You cannot smoke doobies on the back porch of Durthick or anywhere else on campus. Um, and you should not anywhere. You should have flipped the page, or anywhere else was on the se- on the back side of your notes. Yeah, I yeah. Again, this is my I got I let my little guy uh, put my notes together. Stop calling him your little guy. It's the, the your grooming person. That like call them by their official title. Your grooming person is who we're All talking right, about. My 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 grooming significant other. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the projector is going to be very rusty when we get back. Uh, I really should have got a cover for it or something, but uh, we'll, 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 I guess we'll cross that bridge. Yeah, I didn't think that through. I didn't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on the record. I, I did not think that through. Of course, we didn't know when we left, we didn't know that it would be the last time we would, uh, we would see our beloved uh, recording studio for, for such a long stretch of time. You know, well, we, and also, we, you know, we got that directive from the administration that, that spelled out, uh, the circumstances in which and the manner in which we were allowed to return to campus. And there was a specific directive against picking up anything on the back porch of Durthick, uh, lest someone think that would be a place where you could smoke doobies. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's like a magnet. You know, you know once you, you get see stuck a guy just it. hanging out on the back porch of Durthick, and people's imaginations run riot. You got to do something with your hands. It's you, you're standing there. Your hands are just by your side idly, right. and suddenly you, you turn around, and there you go. You're yep. you're one of, you're one of the Doobie Brothers. Um, well, uh, we'll we'll check in on that. But you know, thinking about that just stirs the imagination. Brings me back to a time in which uh, we used to have a segment that we like to call uh, talking about art slides. And I think this is a convenient time as any to, while we're talking about this art slide projector. Yeah, we're talking about art slide projectors. I mean, we're already talking about it. Project into your mind, into your mm-hmm. mindscape, uh, an, an art slide uh, that I brought this week. Do you, do you have it in front of you? Um, did, you <laughs> did you send it to me? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is it the did thing I, you just sent me uh, with the, the pasta noodles, or is it something different? It's something different. <laughs> it's earlier than the – we often send each other pasta noodle art. We should, we should clarify. Sometimes, like all friends do, we send each other weird pictures that are made out of macaroni art. Um, this was an earlier one. It was a, um, a painting. Don't, don't worry. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm searching, I'm searching for, uh, blue and art. Um, it will, it will show up and, and you'll be, you'll be as mesmerized as you, as you were the first time you saw it. I'm quite confident. Um, uh, let me see if I can, I don't even know how to drag and drop this thing. Let me see. <laughs> You know, we should oh. just 
we should break the pretense. Just just hand it to me, okay? Okay. Here you go. I'm gonna. I'm going to now okay. hand it across the table. Okay. Uh, hey, little you, guy, bring it over here. <laughs> All right, he it. Grooming, grooming person, please fetch me my art slide. I, I just I just resent it to you, so that you would have a uh, a oh, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen old girl before, but <laughs> of, course. of course you have. Now this this uh, is anonymous, and I am personally. I think one thing we can do with this art slide <laughs> is try to conjecture based on clues who the great artist is. Right, that's one thing that art historians do, like detectives. Sure, they look at the art, they look at the characteristics, and they can you know, kind of extrapolate from that who the artist might have been. And here we have a painting called uh, Lucy in the Sky. At, at this to this point does not have uh, an artist attributed to it. But I, when you look you at this... Can you imagine painting, painting something like this and not taking credit for it? This is, I think it's something about like, it's that movie with Bill Murray about Nazis stealing the art. I feel like oh, that's... This is a situation yeah. like that. Yeah, I think it's a situation in which uh, the art was commandeered and it got lost and then they found it in a cave or something like this. But this is one of the great arts that the the Third Reich really wanted for itself because it was so cherished at the time. Sure. And then it kind of got lost to history and now it's back. Lucy in the sky. Uh, who do you think the artist might be? If you're looking at this, gorgeous, gorgeous I mean, painting. Gun to my head. Giotto. Um, yeah. It's actually the worst guess I could imagine. <laughs> if I was being honest, that's a terrible guess. Um, if if you look mean, at it, I just it, mean in terms of feel. Okay, uh, there is I'm a not, feel I'm, to it. It's it's a little lopsided. It's a little well, thing kind of a little elongated. Not, not quite in the proper the everything is not that doesn't have a proper dimension to it. It's a little bit off kilter, right? right. Um, but you know, I, I am left wondering with this uh, with this figure. I, I'm thinking maybe Van Gogh might be a good uh, yeah Van Gogh. Van Gogh. This, Van Gogh. Yeah, this this um, Van Gogher maybe. Yeah. That, Eddie, we're talking about Eddie Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like the first part was a joke in which I was making a joke about you know pretense and right, uh, pronunciation right, right, right. and so forth. But underneath it, there is the truth, and the truth is this is an Eddie Van Gogher uh, masterpiece, and we all love Eddie Van Gogher. And um, yeah, clearly, uh, this is Roth period. Um, yeah. And I just, uh, I, I find so much to recommend it. Um, Truly. Um, you know, I, when I look at her, I'm not sure exactly what's happening. I think she might be in one of those uh, chairs that goes up the staircase. You know what I'm talking about? Like like in Gremlins. A, yes, exactly. Like in Gremlins. And and someone has, t has done her portrait on one of those chairs because she has a little cane or something next to her that's, that's propping her up and they've transposed the picture of her in that setting onto this meadow this majestic turner-esque 
you know, the, the beautiful yellows and oranges here. Um, do you, do you find my reading to be accurate? Uh, I subscribe to it a hundred percent. I think that, you know, she's sitting in her little chair. She's about to go up the stairs. Uh, that's where she is, you know, in the material world, but in her mind, yes. Soul, she is in this gorgeous meadow, uh, modeled with various shades of gold. And, um, and so it's, it's kind of a body and soul type thing. I, I think that's right. The only, you know, like, I think her name is, uh, is actually Mildred. Sure. Um, I, I believe Lucy in the sky was some kind of, you know, doobie brother, you know, on the back porch, uh, trying to make some Beatles reference. And uh, it, we're not buying it. it this, no. this is not a, a painting by one of the Beatles. No. This is a painting of a woman named Mildred who is very, very displeased with being painted. Her, her face gives it all away. I am not amused. That, right. When you look at the face, you get the sense, I'm not amused. Those orthopedic shoes look so tight. You know? Yeah, I think that's part of her I think she's just uncomfortable. She's just, she's yeah. just physically uncomfortable. Loosen up that really huge brooch you have there and loosen up the buckles on the shoes and you'll start to feel a little bit of relief, I think. I, I imagine that Mildred's face in this painting is something like what the face of any person over the age of uh, 30 would think when listening to Black and Blue, A Humane Review. (laughs) What is this? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like maybe their grand, their grandson is like pops it into the car. Like listen to this grandma and Mildred is having none of it. She finds none of it amusing. Yeah, I think that's only too fair. Only too fair. It may be a little generous to yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is too generous. I think her face would be much more contorted. Um, so th- this has been another riveting episode of talking about art slides. We're going to put that one, file that one away under exceptional. Exceptional. Um, and now I think that we've, you know, we've covered that. We've done things a little bit out of order, but, you know, it was just naturally in the flow of things. Yep. Uh, I, I think it's time for us. I, I don't actually find myself that inspired by Mildred, more just in awe. So we need to shift gears into inspiration, mm. for a segment we like to call The Muse Speaks. I believe, Black, you have a a wonderful poem for us today. Am I correct I about that? Today, the uh, the muse is going to speak with a bit of an Italian accent. Al dente. Um, uh, al dente. Um, do, do you still have the link I sent you? Uh, I you believe I do. do. I believe I do. It's, it's in one of those emails. Yeah, um, I, do. I believe I do. It's not the I one with a koala wearing a diaper. Um, yeah, this is, 
I, I loosely like to think of this episode as our 4th of July episode. You know, we, um, Oh, that's a good. We're recording it a little bit later than than planned, but uh, I think we're still basking in the glow of um, Independence Day. We and we should have we should have said something about this being our Fourth of July episode at the very beginning. That that's what a more professional approach, I think, would have uh, would have warranted. We'll have but, to trust in our in our uh, in our editor, uh, Mandy. Maybe she can fix this up in post. I, th- I think I think she can. I, I can't I can't imagine she has anything else to do. No. Um. So you know, I I, I love this country, and um. And I I have absolutely nothing critical to say about it whatsoever. I don't think we've we've really ever made any mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, or, or taken a wrong step. However, um, I do have. I, I am not use the word inspiration. I've never really been inspired by our national anthem. Ah, there's a lot of discussion out there these days. That's a, a bit of a hot topic about uh, canceling the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, um, and uh, that's where I first heard this, uh, what I'm about to read, by the way, was in a hot topic. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I want something, I want a national anthem to really get the blood pumping, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I want... Uh, a, a national anthem that's going to make me want to fix bayonet. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, I'm afraid I do. So, um, even though I have the Italian memorized and I can uh, speak it uh, beautifully, fluently, I am going to read the English translation just for for the sake of our listeners, uh, most of which are in Italy, but we do have a few uh, Anglophone listeners. I'm sure there is nobody out there who is wondering why we're reading the Italian uh, <laughs> uh, national anthem on our 4th of July special. I, I'm sure this all makes perfect sense. It's a no-brainer for our demographics. Um, of course. So I'm going I'm to read it. I mean, I'm reading it because it is poetry, right? Uh, it is poetry, yeah. but uh, not just poetry that's, you know, uh, contemplative or – not boring. Serene. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's not de- yeah, it's not boring. It's not lame. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bro- brothers of Italy. Italy has woken, bound Scipio's helmet upon her head. Where is victory? Let her bow down, because as a slave of Rome, God created her. Let us join in a cohort. We are ready to die. We are ready to die, Italy is called. Let us join in a cohort. We are ready to die. We are ready to die. Italy is called. Yes! <laughs> we were for centuries downtrodden, derided, because we are not the one to people. Because we are divided. Authenticity. Let one flag, I couldn't help it. Let one flag, one hope gather us all. The hour has struck for us to unite. And by the way, I'm not reading the chorus. I could do the chorus after every stanza, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Think, I think you're making the, the blessed choice. Let us unite. Let us love one another. Union and love reveal to the peoples the way of the Lord. Let us swear to set free the land of our birth. United by God, who can overcome us? From the Alps to Sicily, Lignano is everywhere. Every man has the heart and hand of Ferruccio. The children of Italy are all called Valila. 
Every trumpet blast sounds the vespers. The mercenary swords are feeble reeds. Already the eagle of Austria has lost its plumes. The blood of Italy, the Polish blood it drank, along oh. with the Cossack, but it burned its heart. I mean, maybe it's just me, but that. Mean. Mm. I don't know. I, I want to hear your reaction, Luke. I was stirred, uh, shaken, and. Um, you were shaken and stirred. Shaken and shaken. Well, maybe shaken, but not stirred. Okay. Um, I'm <laughs> when I when I hear the the beauty of the the poem, I I'm struck. Certainly, uh, it is a a poem that is majestic, uh, soaring. Yes. Um, very specific at times and less specific at other times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know who among us could not feel moved uh, by this very uh, beautiful recollection of drinking Polish blood. Well, look, I mean, um, exactly. I uh, when I when I read this poem, you know, my first reaction was, "You, you had me at Cossack." Now, yes. Of course, no, it's in the penultimate line. So basically, <laughs> I am saying I was very dubious until the Cossack was mentioned. I'm assuming and, Cossack is some kind of a new age, like hammock. Sure. <laughs> a Cossack, yeah. like, you know, uh, like a co like a, like a Cossack, you cohabitate in a sack. Cossack. Right, like like when you're hiking on the AT and you see you know one of those hammocks strung up, that's a Cossack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So so it's got a little you know a little modern reference in there too. Um. But uh, I just I don't think it's too much to ask if we could you know we're not talking about rewriting the Constitution here. Okay. The the national anthem of this country is not something fixed in stone. I think if we could just maybe have a little reboot of the national anthem modeled along these lines, um, yeah, it, it would have I, such a galvanizing effect on this country. Yeah, I mean, whenever you can add a little bit more uh, military stuff, although you know, Star Spangled Banner is pretty, pretty uh, cannon ready, if you know. Sure, but I mean, bombs bursting in the air versus drinking the blood of a Cossack. That's true. There's not enough like racial uh, blood drinking involved in our national anthem. It, it's it doesn't have enough kind of of that edge to it, I guess. But, but let's be clear: the Italians are not drinking the blood of the Cossack. It's oh, no. the Austrians who have been drinking Polish and Cossack blood. So yes. it's not. This is not an endorsement of drinking blood or of smoking doobies. Right. It's, we should make it clear that at this point in the poetry reading, if you find yourself uh, not knowing what to do with your hands, the answer is not pick up a doobie. Okay? The answer well, is refuse what do you to, What you want to do with your hands while you're reading this is to hold sort of your thumb and the tips of your fingers together and hold both of them up slightly above your head 
and just kind of gently shake them throughout the entire thing. Yes, and and that will distract you from the urge to occupy your time, you know, doing exactly. other nefarious yeah. things. That's right. Even if it's something you know, like you, you, you want to kick that vaping habit that, that you picked up. Which we, um, we we're not saying that you should kick the vaping habit. After all, we are sponsored by uh, lots of. We're sponsored by Jewel. Uh, that we yeah. probably should have mentioned that in the first episode. I don't have a lot of a lot of good vape pulls in my in my back pocket here, but yeah, Jewel. There you go. That's a company, and and we're sponsored by their their grape grape flavored vape. That's one of their latest flavors, and we're 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 big fans of that. Black and blue always love when they're in Tijuana getting back tattoos to kick back with a grape flavored vape from Jewel. See, we gave that to them. We gave them, we said, hey, how about a rhyme? Come on, Jewel. Could, could, could you have something that rhymes with vape, please? And um, they did it quick. They're like, Concord grape flavor sounds good to me. So, you know, bubble gum, Concord grape, all the great vape flavors. Sure. Uh, we're, so we're, I want to be clear. We are no on doobies. Yes on vape. We need to yep. keep these, you know, these things really spaced out here. Uh, no, that's that's beautifully put. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I, I hope that um, um, that you've all been inspired by this this beautiful blast, trumpet blast of poetry. Um, and this poem was written what, like five hundred uh, BC, or like what, what's the what's yeah, the date? Uh, Neolithic. It's Neolithic. Yeah, it, it's it has that ancient flair, right? All of these uh, all these anthems speak to a timeless essence. Well, uh, you, might, you may recall from Humanities, is a very uh, linear sequence, right? Um, yeah. The development of art. Yes. Uh, the development of agriculture. The uh, development the of cities. Yep. Uh, Eventually. Fast, fast forward, uh, and, and most recently, the invention of art slides. But Italy is has always been a really unified country. Like, and, and, you know, I'm no Italy expert. I'm no, you know, Italophile. But, sure. but I've always known that, the, that Italy is historic for being a really, you know, tight-knit. Clo- it's, it's not at all tribal or broken up. It's, it's a country that has always been, since the beginning of time, oh, yeah. very unified, like, like a very monolithic uh-huh. culture. In anytime, you know, anytime uh, I'm in Naples, uh, the first thing I do is, you know, go to a to a, a piazza, public place, and uh, shout out in Italian, "Hey, what is this, Milan?" <laughs> and everybody they loves love that. They love you know? that. And then I jump in and I say, "We're we're humanities professors. What are we doing in Naples? Just Naples gazing." And, uh, <laughs> And, oh, I've heard and, that fifteen times. If I've heard it once, and I still laugh, and and nobody laughs. Yours gets a couple laughs. Mine, just dead air. Just, well, you do say you you say it in English. Yeah, I mean, I th- I say it in English and Dutch, but I I don't usually. I, I'm not my my Italian is not uh, not al dente, uh, so <laughs> unfortunately can't communicate that well. But you know, still. It hurts my feelings, but we, we we always laugh afterwards. It's it's fine. We have a good chuckle. Um, um 
Well, th- that was a beautiful piece. Thank you so much for sharing it. You're welcome. Do you, do you, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this uh, special Fourth of July poem? Uh, God bless America. I think is yeah, I say. it's the right sentiment for sure. Uh, you know, I thought at this point in our in our episode, we might turn our uh, our napal gazing outward to <laughs> to some uh, listener questions. We have our inbox has been flooded. Oh my with, god! It's like it's like the beginning of Harry Potter, you know, with the owls uh, bringing the the envelopes through every every crevice of the house. And that's what it's been like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not familiar with uh, the with with the uh, pop culture reference you made there, but but you're right. It has been overflowing uh, out of the box here, and I think listeners are just really, really uh, eager to to get some of the of our sweet melodious uh, wisdom. And it's, it's so heartening to see that people have really taken this time of quarantine to look inward and ask some really searching questions. Yeah. Cause we, sometimes when we put a call out, we worry that it will only get superficial questions that people won't put much time and thought into them. Yeah, these like, questions why, are, yeah. they're well marinated. Uh, these questions are deep, deep questions. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to pose one of them to you now. Yeah. This is from uh, Ferdinand in uh, Murfreesboro. And Ferdinand asks, and again, this is a very deep, thoughtful question. So take okay. all the time you need to I'm let it temples right now. Let it wash over you. What is one article of clothing that someone could wear that would make you walk out of a, on a date with them? Mm. <laughs> I'm not even sure the sentence makes sense. When I read it out loud, the sentence structure was a little convoluted. I think they're asking, what is something someone could be wearing that would make you say, this date is over, and then and then leave? So do with that uh, yeah, what you no, want. I, I, I did. I, I, I put that together. Um, I would, I mean, if I could just speak from experience, I mean, I don't think we have to make this hypothetical. Uh, I've walked out on many dates, and it almost always has to do with an article of clothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I once was on a date, very nice restaurant, blind date. Um, it was and, like Captain, uh, Captain D's. It was a it was a Wolfgang Puck Express. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. And so I was sitting there, you know. Um, wearing suits, uh, trying to look my best. Yeah. And uh, this woman walks in, you know, very attractive in many ways. Um, but uh, I noticed she was wearing a fanny pack. Mm. And it was real loose. You know, it was, it was kind of halfway down her hip. And I know this is something about me, you know, my my close friends know this. Little guy knows it. Um, I like a I like a real tight fanny pack. <laughs> I just you got to just tighten that thing up until your circulation is basically cut off. Right. And when I see right. somebody take what is one of my favorite fashion accessories, who yeah, who doesn't and, love a fanny, and make a mockery out of it. 
Yeah. Um, you know, people people complain about oh, the kids these days are wearing their shorts under their under their buttocks. Um, well, I that I, I'm like that when it comes to panty pants. You know. Yeah. You don't so, you don't like like a John Wayne holster sagging down, looking all you not you don't like them to saunter in. You like them to be very cinched. I like, I like it high and tight. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that is again, uh, and I would do it again. By the way, um, and, you would uh, you would walk out again. I, I later learned it was Mariska Hargitay from Law and Order SVU. So, so <laughs> it's unfortunate because so, some people would say that I I made a mistake. The, it's a missed uh, opportunity. Yeah. But I have no regrets. Good. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I, I who could blame you. Well, let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, if you were a wrestler, what would be your entrance theme song? That's a good, a good. Uh, that, that's um, from, uh, that's from Susie in uh, in uh, Nashville. Okay, and I'm I'm sorry. I, I should have specified uh, the emoji question uh, is from Cliff and Talkeetna. Okay, good. Um, so what would be my interest theme song? Well, I'm going to go ahead and exclude the obvious, hmm. which would be anything from John Tesh's oeuvre. Yeah. Um, you know, Tesh, you know, th- th- that's just like, oh, who's your favorite band? The Beatles, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, wh- what's, your, what's your wrestling entrance music? Tesh. It's boring. Yeah, I mean, John Tess just reeks, reeks of that masculine fury. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would be my entrance theme song? Um, I'm going to have to go with Tiptoe Through the Tulips here. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I like something that's a little whimsical, a little jaunty. Yep. I like something that um, is going to kind of put the audience at ease and let them know, you know, this man is very strong and... and, and, and um, powerful uh but um you know he's he's kind of a little stinker he is a little stinker it's also something i like that choice because it's something that is already on the the picnic mix that we've made for for our picnic um you know tiptoe through the tulips it's already like number three on our on our playlist so super easy to just call it up you know for eating cherry pie or when when you get down to business and the bros are going to have a wrestling match yeah when spotify sends the you know the the year-end uh wrap-up or whatever they call it you know what 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 songs have you listened to the most uh tip of the tulip is 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 number one through 13 for me (laughs) yeah 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 it's weird that they just that they keep number they they list it that many times uh but i don't i don't really do math Okay, so they really wanted to emphasize gonna... uh, that you were listening to it a lot. So, I mean, there are a couple, a couple of those are remixes, but uh, uh, but you know, I, I I'm kind of again, I'm a traditionalist. Very so. slight, very slight remixes. I, I think we could safely say that they're very minor modifications to the original. Uh, while we're on the uh, the subject of uh, music. Mm. Cue up our next question. Uh, this is from uh, Perth Bear 
from Trong. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Who is this from again now? Uh, Ron. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I was, I was looking at uh, I was looking at another playlist. Um, this is from this is from Denise and Mobile. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, Denise and Mobile wants to know: uh, You have to sing karaoke. What song do you pick? Oh, you have to sing karaoke. You know, I I, I hate to do this to you, but I almost always pick. The Star Spangled Banner. Oh, okay. Uh, you know the, the reason being that sometimes I think the karaoke atmosphere can get a little uh, too reckless, uh, a little too yeah. frivolous. Mm-hmm. And so what I really I like to do is, you know, while everybody else is queuing up different John Bon Jovi songs. Uh, I like I like to in a very somber way approach the microphone, cue up Star Spangled Banner, and sing it in a very flat demeanor, uh, uh-huh. and right. and just try to kind of bring us back. You know what I mean? Bring a little gravitas really, to the proceedings. Yeah, I mean, really like weigh everything down and and make it feel heavy. Uh, I, I feel like that's always a welcome addition to any karaoke party is the guy who chooses Star Spangled Banner. Now, I will say one time I chose the Italian um, national anthem, hmm. and it did not go over well. Uh, Probably a lot of Corsicans there. Corsicans love karaoke. The, well, I... I I, I kept saying about the Cossack drinking the Cossack blood, and apparently there were a lot of people who really like to sleep in a Cossack with, with their friends and were somehow offended by what I was saying. And it was a misunderstanding. you got to be so careful these days. It did become quite violent. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I think my favorite is, is Star Spangled Banner, just because it's so melodious. Sure. And uh, the imagery is so vivid and captivating. Uh, who among us hasn't stopped when hearing the Star Spangled Banner and thought, this would make a good karaoke song? So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's yeah, how fun that's a, I mean, it's a great choice. It gets a little obvious, but... Um, yeah, a little but on the nose. Still, but it's, it's, it's a classic. You and I are both traditionalists in, in that regard. That's right. Um, I think it, it seems safe at this point for us to ask one final listener question that we can both answer, because I actually oh, nice. think this question will lead us into our final little segment here. Uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, which decade do you love the most and why? Oh, boy. Uh, do, do you already know what your answer is, Glue? Because I, I may have to mold this for a moment. I do know my answer. Well, you know what I'm going to say? It is probably for me a... No, I know who the winner is, but it's close. The winner is definitely the 60s. But second, a close second, I think, would be the 90s. Now, the 90s, for an obvious reason, that I was growing up in the 90s, and... uh, I think the early 90s was a very interesting time musically and culturally. 
Um, not a big fan of the 70s and 80s. The 60s, I think, is maybe the most interesting decade in American, 20th century American history. Um, just, I mean, so much social turmoil, so sure. much uh, good music and good cultural kind of experimentation with with different art forms and things. So, and protests and civil rights movement, um, just a lot of really, obviously it wasn't... Tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah, I mean, Tip through the tulips came out, um, different remixes of the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> those, are the, those are the two musical things I listened to. And as far as that goes, the 60s was a really good decade for that. Um. But yeah, I mean, just like the great, the greatest bands uh, of all time. I think you can you can say they a lot of them start yep. out in the '60s. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the uh, with the '60s on that one. What, what about you, Black? Well, my uh, my instinct is uh, actually to go with the '70s. Hmm. Um, and uh, part of the, you know part of the, the difficulty is. Uh, you talk about the '60s. Most of what you're describing, or a lot of what you're describing, is the late '60s, right? At least '65 on. Yeah, '68 six, through '70 was was its the most heightened version of the '60s. Right, um, and so I'm kind of interested in how that spills over into the '70s. Um, and um, I think musically, like, well, not, I mean, musically, because I am a product of the 90s, that's where most of the music I listen to comes from. Sure. So the, ni- the 90s would also be my second, I guess, for, in that respect, at least. And we're talking um, about Backstreet Boys. We're talking about, about Backstreet Boys. I'm talking about Candlebox. I'm talking about early corn. Okay. We're talking about Backstreet's Back All Right is what we're talking about. Britney Spears, yeah. all of the yeah. really yeah. good sweet, stuff. Sweet late 90s stuff, yep. Blink-182 um, and so forth. Oh, yeah, Less Than Jake, or are you kidding me? I'm, um, I, I'm not kidding. I'm being very serious. So, uh, and I love 70s, like, movies. You know, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I know one of your favorite movies of all time is from the 70s. It's Jaws. It's one of my favorites, oh, yeah. too. But I also love stuff like one of my favorite movies is The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, which oh, is yeah. just – have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're, we're not talking about the uh, Travolta version from uh, – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just like such a like – from the soundtrack, I mean, it's just everything. It's so 70s. It's not to say that like I wanted – I wish I could have lived through the 70s. Yeah, this um, although, sounds like a pretty miserable decade overall. Uh, I was born in '78, so I, I got to you know I got to poop in my diaper. In, in the 70s, but um, and you got to poop in your diaper in all those decades, really. So. <laughs> I don't think of it. It's a tie. It's a tie across the board. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in terms of cultural significance, like absolutely, like the '60s would be. Uh, would be first and in terms of like great music for me I would only put the 70s first because 
you not only get the spillover of like that late 60s stuff, but you also get the punk stuff. Yeah. Uh, late 70s, uh, which is like one of my favorite eras of music. Um, so, uh, so I think we can all agree the 80s like are actually ranked the lowest. Like, yeah, the, the 80s, I mean, the whole hipster thing, you know, the actually it's good thing. Yeah. Uh, the whole, you know, actually the 80s were good thing. Like, no, you didn't live no. through it. Um, it was not good. It was not a good time. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, as much as I'm interested in the 80s, I've spent a lot of time thinking about things that happened in the 80s. Uh, the 80s is not a uh, shining beacon of a decade to want to replicate. So... Yeah, uh, and there's you know there's some good music that comes out of it. There's some good movies that come out of, it, of course, uh, but compared to the two previous decades, I think it it fares actually quite poorly. Yeah, I don't think it it quite measures up. A lot a lot more uh, nonsense in the '80s, and and not in a good sense. Um, well, the reason that I bring up the the decades question is because the the final thing I thought we might talk about we teased this a a few episodes ago. Uh, brought up the Kinks, which is a band that you and I uh, both enjoy. Um, so, and that's a band that really starts out in the '60s, but certainly lives beyond the '60s. I, I think they start in the early '60s, like '63. Yeah, '64 is their first album. So, this is a band who definitely kind of galvanizes in in the 60s but then endures out out into the 70s um and kind of has a rebirth later on um so yeah so i thought maybe we would end by making a, a recommendation kind of making a pitch for the kinks why we like the kinks and and so forth so what, what are your thoughts about the uh the kinks black yeah i mean i think the the question for our listeners is like why, why the Kinks? What can the Kinks do for you that uh, the Beatles can't do or the Rolling Stones can't do? Right. Uh, like what lost. gives them? I'm sorry. They they get lost in that discussion, right? So I, I think a lot of people don't yeah. know the Kinks, or a lot of young people don't know the Kinks because they're overshadowed by the Beatles and and Rolling Stones. I think the one the one reason they have any cultural currency at all uh, now is because of Wes Anderson, yeah, uh, who seems to always be able to sneak uh, at least one Kink song into a soundtrack. Yes, uh, so that's given them some purchase, but that's kind of among you know hipster types, not so much the general consciousness. Um, and um, so you know if you listen to their uh, their early records, um, their first two or maybe three, um, you're not necessarily get. You get some great songs, yeah, for sure. You're not necessarily getting. Uh, they haven't quite found their identity yet, and they're kind of in the same groove as like a lot of other British invasion bands of the time, like blues rock kind of stuff definitely a lot of rhythm and blues in the early especially the first two albums yeah like chuck berry covers and stuff yeah like yeah that. yeah and um and so 
and uh, you know, a lot of that stuff is fine. Uh, but again, um, you can't help but kind of look at the kinks retrospectively, like in terms of what they would become. And there see is those something. Works. There's something very endearing to me about the the self-titled first album. I think mostly because it's so um, uh, it's less polished than than their later efforts. It, there's for me, there's kind of a trajectory for the Kinks that they gradually become unkinked as as they go, especially beyond like their their much later stuff, uh, and they become much kind of sweeter and softer and more melodious. Yes. Um, as they go, and, and there's something, even though I, I think you're absolutely right about the first two albums being a little bit more, maybe derivative might be too strong, but a little bit more kind of cookie cutter. There's something about the first album that I still really like because it's not, um, it's not as clean and polished as some of their later efforts. Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And like, let's not... Um neglect that uh, you really got me oh yeah on their first album that's uh, the most like, famous song yeah i mean it went to number one yeah um and uh, and in the uk at least and that is like one of the greatest rock and roll records of all time yeah um and um you know like you could argue is kind of helps to invent like heavy metal, punk rock. I mean, I just don't see. Oh, for sure. really got me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, they're definitely worth their time. Uh, the second album kind of kinks has got a song called nothing in the world can stop me worrying about this, that girl. And that's the one for those of you who've seen Rushmore, uh, the Wes Anderson film, uh, which I highly recommend. It's my favorite film of his. And there's a scene where Bill Murray, (laughs) is just curled up like in the bottom of a pool. Oh yeah. Um, basically to just like not be with his family. Yeah. Um, and a little too much family time yeah. for a little really. really boy. Really. Yeah. And, um, it's like such a perfect, I, and like, I don't know how he, like how that happened in his brain, you know, to use that song uh, for that moment. But anyway, it's every time I hear the song, I, that's yeah, what I think exactly. of. But it, it's, it's well worth hearing. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of high points on, on those early albums. And of uh, course so. the, the second album is the, uh, has the first of the, uh, dancing in the street, which will become more famous <laughs> <laughs> in a later video starring a certain Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. It's, there's some uh, there's some seminal stuff on those first two, although I'm pretty sure that is is still a cover though. I think. I think it. I think uh, actually you're right. I think it's been covered. Maybe at least, at least several times then. Um. So yeah. Uh, what do you what do you so, think about the ne- the so we talked about the first two albums. What do you think about um. I, I will say I'll just lay my cards on the table that probably the third and fourth albums are, are really tied for my, my favorite of their albums. And I, I think I really like something else, which is number four 
maybe my favorite yeah. album. Because um, there yeah. is something very quintessential about something else that sounds, it's very British. It's got like, it, it makes use of a lot of, um, you know, chanty pub song kind of stuff. But it's also got that kind of early metally sound to it. But it's also very more, it's more experimental. So like Death of a Clown, those kinds of songs. I mean, I really, for my money, that's where I would go if I could only listen to one of their albums all the way through. I think I would pick something else. But I also love Face to Face as well. That has some great songs on it. Yeah, I think Face to Face, which is their fourth album, we didn't mention the Kink Controversy, which is Kind of Kinks is the second, Kink Controversy is the third. And then right. Face to Face. And I think Face to Face is kind of where they start to find their niche. Um, yeah. And, um, and I, to, uh, and I think, yeah, that is such a fantastic record. That and something else, you cannot go wrong with either one of either one of those. My goodness, um, where things come to kind of click into place for me is that song "Dandy" on Face to Face. Um, it's a song about me. It, it is a song about blue. A fancy guy. I mean, just think about that for a minute. They were writing about blue in uh, 1966. Um, so <laughs> you know, it like up to this point. They're lyrically, uh, for the most part, like very cliched uh, love songs, like everybody else was doing at that time. Sure. Uh, the Beatles did it. Everybody did it. And um, and so on Face to Face, they almost completely break away from that um, and start doing these little character sketches. Yeah. And... It's social commentary, social critique, but it's always a little, um, like, a little gentle. You know, like the gloves are never right totally taken off. And, you know, Dandy's just a great example of that. Um, <laughs> it's such a great song. And uh, But I agree, something else, that would be, that's a great place to start. Um, yeah, Death of a Clown. I love that song, Harry Rag. I do too, uh, and that uh, that is so good. Those songs. I mean, I I was re-listening actually to I've when we decided to talk about the Kinks. I've been dusting off a lot of the the uh, albums that I have of theirs, and something else had, was not was one that I always kind of cherry picked songs off of, like Tim yeah. Soldier Man, Harry Rag, that's a good uh, too, yeah, the Clown. So like. I had those songs, but I wasn't playing them as part of the rotation of like listening to the whole album together. They would just they right. would pop up, you know, on occasion in different playlists or whatever. But I so I went back and listened to the album itself, you know, from start to finish, and I and I've just been listening to it on repeat a lot since. And this has been, you know, we started talking about doing the Kinks. I think when this all started, so like four yeah. months ago. So I've been listening to that, to something else a lot because I just man that record as a whole really really works well. I mean it's got great songs on it from top to bottom, but just the combination of the songs it's just a really well constructed album I think. Yeah, and I would say if you want to kind of get just like gently uh, get into the Kinks, start with "You Really Got Me." You probably heard it before, but yeah, that's you know, a quintessential but 60s song listen to that song that really encapsulates what's great about sort of 
uh, Kinks 1.0. Yeah. And then to get a little taste of Kinks 2.0, listen to uh, Waterloo Sunset. Yeah. Which is at the end. Again, it's a famous song, but I, I would not necessarily expect a 20-year-old today to have ever heard it. Well, that's also and, a great song. Oh, man. I mean, it, it really it's it, it's encapsulates everything that is so great about the kinks you know, uh, of the late sixties. Yeah. And um, I think face to face is, is, uh, you know, that Baroque harpsichord kind of stuff. Um, right. sounds very, I guess the reason that something else sort of edges out face to face for me is that face to face sounds a lot like, um, the Beatles. I mean, it, it seems to be paralleling the Beatles in certain so, ways. Um, when it starts doing a lot more of like you, like you said, a lot more kind of skits, a lot more, um, you know, that Baroque sound getting mixed in with the, with the different, just, I guess the kind of diversity of sounds that they were playing with was, yeah. it sounded, and I don't, I'm not saying that one caused the other. I mean, I don't think you could say the Beatles caused the kinks to, you know, sound a certain way or vice versa. I don't, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying for me, something else is the quintessential Kinks record. Like it, it sounds not like the Beatles. It sounds just like the Kinks. So like you said at the beginning, I think it's like they really find their sound and they get locked in to being very, very distinctive to me by, by that record. Yeah. It's funny to think, I mean, this is the same year Sgt. Peppers comes out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're very much going in their own direction. And in, in fact, in some ways, even more uh, than the Beatles, you know, we often think about Beatles as sort of like a quintessential English band, you know, whereas like the Rolling Stones are sort of have this more American kind of right. grit to them. But the, to me, the Kinks are like the most quintessentially English of all. And, yeah. And, um, and that really comes through in what a lot of people would say is their greatest record ever, which is the next one, uh, the Kinks or the Village Green Preservation Society. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, this is one I don't know as well as some of the others. Um, it's crazy listening to this album that this is the You Really Got Me band. Yeah, right. Because it's just a different band entirely something has um, certainly changed yeah uh but it's just it is it is really delightful but my personal favorite and one of my favorite albums of the 60s period is the next album which comes out in 1969 arthur or the decline and fall of the british empire yeah first kinks album i ever owned i bought the record when i was probably about 16 years old and um it has this crazy, like you open it up and it's like this, this crazy, like Monty Python-esque art. Uh, like a yeah, the art, I mean, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole interesting discussion in and of itself that we obviously don't have time for. But I mean, the album art for the Kinks is, I think, very distinctive to them as well. Like they have some of the best album art uh, out there. Yeah. From, from like album three or four on, I think it's remarkable. Yeah, so um, so Arthur is just absolutely magnificent. I mean, I I think it, I would take it to a desert island before any album by the Beatles. 
um, or even the Stones for that matter, and I'm more of a Stones guy. Um, it's just fantastic, and it's got really like sweet, sensitive, beautiful songs like Some Mother's Son. Yeah. Uh, but it has these really um, just rocking songs. And so, like, it, to me, it kind of synthesizes the first two phases of the Kinks. Uh, the sort of more the, the more rocking side and the more like twee side. Yeah. And they kind of come together. And I mean, we haven't talked much about Ray Davis, who's the singer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's not he is not a great singer conventionally. Um, but like I to me, I always see this album, Arthur, as sort of the the first real punk record uh, because he's intentionally singing <laughs> yeah. really badly on several <clears throat> of his songs um, well, in this they do. Real, like sneering, sarcastic way. Well, and they, they become, I think that that album is much more self-aware and kind of very, uh, it does something that I don't think the Beatles ever really do. And probably because they break up. Um, before they really get to that stage, but they they don't get into kind of deconstructing themselves or you know like there's something that happens to the Kinks and the the later you go in the '60s, where they seem to be reflecting on who they are and their identity as a band and their sound and they're kind of breaking it down and doing something totally different with it, and also trying to make a social Con- there's social commentary that's going on about Britain. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, 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 in, absolutely. In the 60s and everything. So I think you're right. I mean, I think this album is so powerful because it does both of those things. It's both kind of renovating their sound and, and doing something totally new. Also having that social commentary, which in 69, I mean, there was a lot to comment about. Um, sure. And does that in a way that a lot of those other bands, I mean, I can't think of a comparable album from the Beatles or the Stones that does those things as well as uh, as this album does. So, I mean, I agree with you. This is definitely one of their uh, better albums. I've always had um, some of the, uh, I think this has, uh, what's it called? The Churchill song. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Churchill says. Mr. Churchill says. I've always I really loved that song. Oh, man, it's a great, um, great track. Such a fantastic song. So, yeah, I mean, I think, and this, if I'm not mistaken, now after Arthur is where I start to kind of lose the thread with the Kings. Yeah. And, you know, that that may be part of Me my too. 60s um, centered upbringing, you know, like I, I'm more familiar with the 60s and, and this is around the time they move out into the 70s. And I just, I don't know them as well after this album yeah i i don't either i will say i'm, I'm just kind of going on conventional wisdom here mainly uh well some experience the next two albums after arthur are well worth engaging with uh there's lola versus power man and the money garand part one so you have to forgive that title first of all which is kind of hard to yeah uh, but that is that is the song uh with lola on um, and I, we've almost all heard Lola, but that is like kind of a great song. Yes. 
Um, and uh, and of course, we've all heard Weird Al's Yoda, which yeah. my kids have been playing all summer long. Um, and then the next the next album is Muswell Hillbillies, nineteen seventy one, and that is a darn good album. That is, I think, a pretty unimpeachable album. After that, things get real dicey. I'm just looking at Apple Music right now. I'm looking at nineteen seventy five's uh, Schoolboys in Disgrace, which has a a very poorly drawn picture of a young boy uh, with his pants pulled down uh, like he's just got a padlet. Um, right. I think that kind of tells you most of what you need to know there. Yeah. The, the, uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, my, my, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen that particular one, but you know. No, my, my understanding of the, or, or my own relationship to the kinks after Arthur, I think is more of the smattering. Like I know, a handful of their hits, a handful of the songs, you know, like Lola, other songs that we would all probably recognize that, that play on the radio still uh, on occasion, but, but just not, I don't have a great grasp of the, like the albums as a whole. Yeah. Um, right. And I don't, I don't either, but I think, I think it's safe to say that if you have any interest in the Kinks, at least at this point, don't worry any, about anything past Arthur. Uh, if you get, that that would certainly that would be a probably a really bad place to start, you know, post Arthur. Yeah. Um, so I would just yeah, you really can't go terribly wrong with any of the sixties album. It's it's just that if you listen to the first or second album and sort of thought you knew what the kinks were about, you would be mistaken. Yeah, and it's a journey. Uh I, I've enjoyed re listening to the albums sequentially. Um, to really get a feel, like it's been it's been fun for me listening all the way through and getting a feel for their evolution. Um, you know, because they're they're one of my favorite bands, definitely a top five band for me of all time. And but I just don't. You usually don't take the time to sit down <clears throat> and listen to them the way they're meant to be listened to. You know, you don't listen to them in the arc of their career. You don't listen to them through the whole album, you know, we get into the habit of listening to the, just like the song cherry picking songs. We like, um, listening to the, all the albums straight through over and over again, uh, has just, I mean, really cemented my love of the kinks. So I highly recommend, uh, that people go out and, and, and give them a try. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if rock and roll is not your thing, you know, that's fine. If but, rock and roll is not man. your thing, why are you listening to black and blue? Well, that's yeah. That yeah, you should not be listening to uh, to Black and Blue. The the, but, the, the uh, only the most humane podcast to make a poop joke, and <laughs> which I believe we made it about fifty nine minutes in the podcast is is when our uh, when we went off the rails and there was a poop joke. Um, <laughs> real highbrow stuff. So uh, yeah, well, that's another. Um, Great episode in the books, Black. <clears throat> it has been wonderful catching up. Indeed, and uh, maybe we can maybe we can do another one uh, before you know the fall semester. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do a, a summer retrospective, and we will um, we'll get out the beach balls. We will uh, maybe head back to Tijuana for a couple weeks. And um, I mean, I've got my Greyhound bus ticket in my hand, so. 
mean, yeah, we, we never really left, if you know. Like, we, we, we've been there in our minds this entire time, so. And uh, hey, maybe next time, maybe next time we do The Who. Oh, that would be a good one. That's a great, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, so just. That's, that's another so, band uh, I would really enjoy listening to in a more serious way, as opposed to just the way I listen to them now. Yeah, well, plus their their songs, I mean, their hits are spread over like a 20-year period. Yeah, so, The Who is one of the most uh, iconic and enduring uh, rock bands out there. There's no question about that. Uh, so a little, little uh, something to look forward to next time. Let, let's All do right, it. well, Blue, be well, um, and see you in TJ. All right, see you down there. All right, everybody, talk to you next time. Thank you.